content warning. This episode contains standard Magic the Gathering metagame talk. If you don't like standard, well, go play Commander and stop listening to the... No, I'm just kidding. You should, you should check it out. High Tide with Kai, an Inked Gaming and Kraken Cards podcast. Let's go. Hello and welcome to High Tide with Kai. I am your host, Mitch, and today we have kind of a unique episode. It's going to be a solo cast by me, and we are going to be going over the new standard metagame in Magic the Gathering. So, to give you a bit of a background on my story, I played Magic, competitive Magic, growing up from the age of maybe like 12, I started going to FNMs. And I did not win a, I did not win a match for the first, I think, two months I played uh, FNMs. I, my first ever tournament, I showed up because it said Friday Night Magic uh, Standard, and I showed up and I just was like, hey, I don't have a standard deck. What what can I do? And uh, the store owner sold me a sealed deck, a uh, five color sealed deck. They used to come in deck boxes, and it was. Uh, I think five lands a piece and then 60 cards total. So it was 25 land, 35 cards. Um, I proceeded to obviously lose 0-2 every round. My first ever tournament round, I believe, was against Vile Goblins. So that dates me a little bit, but uh, that you can kind of get the idea. Vile Goblins versus uh, versus sealed deck was was not a good experience but over those first two months i learned a lot and i learned that disciple of the vault was a very good card early on and so i built the burn deck uh, that revolved around it was used all the burn spells and disciple of the vault in the format and so i just tried to kill uh, artifact creatures but anyway uh today we're going to be going over the standard metagame so i played Magic the Gathering competitively from about 11 or 12 till 18. And then I took a hiatus until I was about 22, 23. Uh, And then I started really playing in a lot of tournaments uh, from 22, 23, all the way up until uh, 27, 28. I played a lot of Magic Online. Uh, I would do, you know, multiple dailies a day, multiple eight mans a day, and uh, so that's kind of my history. I went to many, many GPs, uh, had some success, but overall, uh, I just love tournament play and I love competing. And uh, that's what always brings me back to the game. So when I'm when I'm at my, I think I, on the last episode, when I am the most passionate about Magic: The Gathering is when I have a, a tournament to to prepare for, a paper tournament, because I just love hanging out with people. Um, at the live tournament venues and stuff. Uh, So what brought me back to online magic recently was that on October 12th, which as of recording this, that was seven days ago, there was a ban uh, update. And the ban update, in standard specifically, banned Omnath Locus of Creation, Lucky Clover, and Escape to the Wilds. 
and a lot of people that um, I've talked to, we we all know that Standard wasn't in the healthiest format for the last couple of years. And so even though I love Magic so much, there were many, many times where I would try to play. It just wouldn't, didn't feel like Magic uh, as I, you know, learned to love growing up. It just felt, it just, it, there was something missing. There was, I think one thing that really makes Magic great is a format of Magic great is when there are aggro decks, mid-range decks, control decks, and combo decks all cobbled together in one format that are equally balanced. And that is a piece of art that is very hard to achieve. So R&D has been, Wizards R&D has been making these formats playable and enjoyable for decades now. And when you have pressure to make cooler and more interesting cards for the commander side, uh, you're going to run into some issues with... uh, with balance Uh, but I think the bannings did really well for the game and so uh, I heard that there was the format was a little bit underpowered so I decided to try it out and so today today I'm just going to go over my experiences with this new standard format and I hope that you'll learn a little bit about the standard format and uh, maybe give it a try again if you're, you're one of the people that has decided to take a little bit of break from standard magic uh, so the first deck I tried when I logged back into Magic Arena was Mono Red Aggro. Mono Red Aggro has been a popular deck for, it feels like, oh, I don't know, it feels like uh, maybe, I know in the Amonkhet era it was really good. I can't remember before, yeah, Khan's era it was good. Um, it's been good for like five years, it feels like. Um, And it doesn't ever feel like it fully falls off. There have been a couple eras where it was really gimmicky, Uh, specifically the Siege Rhino days of like the four color Siege Rhino decks. I don't think it was that powerful during that. Maybe, maybe, no, actually there there was a deck. There was a deck back then. Um, But it's had its its performances over the, the years. And I feel like Wizards always wants Mono Red to be an accessible deck and a a nice deck for people to learn with. And also, a lot of these Mono Red decks have a really high skill cap, too. So I, I started out with Mono Red um, just to kind of get a feel from the format. And it was a lot of fun. So you start out with your Ember Cleave. You get four Ember Cleave. And you have a bunch of one drops, a bunch of two drops. And uh, you kind of just go from there. Um but I've played Mono Red so much that I just kind of felt like I was going through the motions again, and I wanted to relearn my my love of Magic and my love of Standard with a deck that uh, really spoke to me, and that was the Black Red Midrange deck that is currently uh, doing pretty decently well in Standard. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to kind of go down my list that I'm playing on Arena, and this by no means is a list that uh, you should copy uh, card for card, but it is a list that I took uh, from MTG Goldfish. You'd be sure to check out MTG Goldfish if you're looking for some uh, some you know really nice deck lists and a lot of really well organized format um, breakdowns and stuff. But um, so I took a, a random list, just copy and pasted it into Arena. 
I started playing games and just kind of tuned it from there. So this is basically just a conglomeration of, it isn't by no means my deck or anything. It's a conglomeration of what strategies I've seen on Arena and Magic Goldfish. Uh, and then kind of my, uh, I added a little bit of random, like I added one more land. I cut some of the, the biggest thing was the mana base was, was that I changed, but we'll go over that. So I'm just going to go down the list, kind of tell you the matchups that I've uh, experienced so far. And basically we'll call that the podcast. Uh, I just wanted to, I had a lot of fun this last weekend playing standard and I know there have been many, many times where I've wanted to write an article or something about playing Magic Arena for InkedGaming.com, and the passion just wasn't there. And the passion is, it feels like it's kind of creeping back. You know, this format feels fun and balanced and like you're playing bad cards. When you're playing bad cards, when every deck is playing bad cards, then you know that the standard format is balanced. Um, I always think back to Heliod's Pilgrim. That was one of my favorite cards in Arena, Heliod's Pilgrim, Go Get Chained to the Rocks, which is just a silly, if you think about it, just a silly way to win a game. But when I when I, everybody's playing like somewhat underpowered cards, it feels like the format um, is more diverse and people have more fun and people can experiment a little bit more. All right, so... Black, red, mid-range. So the start of it is 16 creatures. So we start off the top with arguably the most important card in the deck, Croxa, Titan of Death's Hunger. So that is a two drop. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, sacrifice it unless it escaped. Uh, it's like Uro's legendary creature, elder giant friend uh, that is not powerful enough to get banned. <laughs> Uh, so when it enters the battlefield or attacks, each opponent discards a card, then each opponent who didn't discard a non-land card this way loses three life. So the reason Crocs is in this deck is that anytime you're playing a mid-range deck with recursion from the graveyard, you're just trying to one-for-one your opponent and then finish the game with your value engines, and Croxa is your value engine. Um, many times you'll you know, if you trade one for one effectively and then you slam a Croxa down and you are on the play, your opponent is discarding their last card in their hand and you now have a 6-6. Six, six. Um, and it's just super powerful. When you're playing again, there's a lot of mill decks in standard actually right now. So they'll actually mill your Croxa and enough gas for you to escape it the next turn. Uh, it's just the threat of your opponent milling a, a Croxa is pretty big and a lot of times they can kind of dig dig their own grave so to speak uh just by you having this card and it's castable in your deck so that i i love playing with croxa it's been a lot of fun just like i don't know just mid-range in general is a lot of fun for me in 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 underpowered formats and i think croxa is one of the places to be right now um next for magmatic chandler uh some of some of the lists are playing this card. Some of the lists are not playing this card. Since uh, this deck's only playing 16 spells, a lot of the time you're not going to have Magmatic Chandler turned on. But uh, it's still a 1-3. It can still block a lot of the rogues and a lot of the red creatures, uh, the mono-red aggro creatures. So I, I think... And then its ability is why you play it. 
discard a card, exile the top two cards of your library, then choose one of them, you may play this card this turn. So a lot of times you can discard something like a removal spell that you're not using, um, or a land, and then you can turn those resources into something that's more important. The next card is I'm playing two of Skyclave Shade. Skyclave Shade is a two drop, three one that can't block, that can that can kicker. And then whenever it has a landfall, uh, you can, uh, whenever you landfall for a turn, you can bring it back from your graveyard for, uh, you can cast it from your graveyard. Uh, it's a it's a value piece. It's very good to discard to Magmatic Chandler. And when you play it on turn two against a lot of decks, uh, they don't want to actually one for one removal it, and then you're hitting them for three every turn. It's it fits really well in this deck. I feel um, it's a flex slot for sure. I'm not playing four because I tried four and it was a little too much. But uh, it's overall it's performed better than I expected it. So I I'm keeping it in for now. Uh, next for Bone Crusher Giant. Bone Crusher Giant. Some are playing. Some decks are playing three. Some are playing four. I'm playing four because uh, where I'm at on ladder, I just reached gold. Uh, where you're at on ladder, you play against a lot of mono red. Uh, I restarting Magic Arena both in bronze leagues. So there might be a, a world where uh, I'll be shaving a Bone Crusher Giant uh, later down the line, but not right now. I feel like it's too good of a card to shave. Um, I'm playing a one of Murderous Rider. Some people are playing zero, some people are playing two. Uh, it just feels like it's my fifth Heartless Act, I guess. Um, I don't like it in the deck, but sometimes you need that extra removal spell. I think that's one of the cards that I, I could see cutting. I'm playing a one of Terror of the Peaks. Some decks are playing two, some decks are playing zero. It has won me games if I can untap with it. Uh, I don't think I, you ever want to draw more than one, ever. Um, and I don't think it is integral to winning the match, uh, drawing this. So having it as a random one-of that you can slam down on five every once in a while is fine, I think. I think it's also a replaceable card. Uh, on to Planeswalkers. We're playing two Planeswalkers, and they are both Liliana Walker of the Dead. With Liliana Walker of the Dead... Uh, you know, has obvious parallels to the three-drop Liliana that uh, is a modern staple uh, in Jund and other black-green variants. Uh, so the plus one is each player discards a card. Um, it's minus three is, you know, a, basically a kill spell. I like it because you can play a two-drop into it. Like, you can go removal, removal, Liliana, or re like removal on one, removal on two, removal on three, Liliana, removal. Like basically against mono red, it's your finisher removal. And then it locks out the game very quickly and gets those Invercleaves out of your opponent's hand. Um, I have never ulted it and I don't think you need to in this deck, but it's a very efficient four drop. And I think it deserves to be a two of in this deck. It's another card that you could sideboard out. Uh, on to Blood Chief's, or onto Spells, we have four of Blood Chief's Thirst. Some people are playing two or three. I am playing four. Um, same, you know, the similar thing for, for the Mono Red matchup. I think it's the best card in the Mono Red matchup. So it's good to play four. Uh, Spike Field Hazard, I'm playing a two of. Uh, that is the one that can be a land or a basically uh, just one, one damage to any target. It also exiles a permanent, which is important in a couple of matchups. 
I love this card. It is these these land spell things are so versatile. I did not think it would be as impressive as it has been, but it has been very very good. Uh, two of those uh, onto two agonizing remorse. That is the sorcerer two mana sorcery. Target opponent reveals their hand. You choose a non land card from it or a card from their graveyard. Exile that card. You lose one life. Uh, this card has been. Another overperformer, I will say that it has been the best in the rogues deck uh, when you're playing against Luris. So what will happen is what I do against the Luris deck is I sandbag my Agonizing Remorse until they pay the three to bring Luris into their hand, and then I Remorse it out of the game. And that really helps that matchup. Um, I could see playing... You know the other two in the sideboard. I think it's you know it's obviously a slow thoughtsies, but it being able to hit your opponent's graveyard is also good in the mirror uh, to get their Croxa and uh, has a lot of. I mean, like even hitting you know an Ember Cleave every once in a while is is great. Um, and then on to four Heartless Act. I think that's probably the best spell in this deck. And I see people, some people playing three, but I'm perfectly fine playing four, especially when I'm playing Magmatic Chandler to be able to discard it in the uh, control matchups. Then I'm playing two Shatter Skull Smashing. That is the Mythic X uh, Mountain Mountain sorcery that can you can either play as a land uh, or it can deal X damage divided. Uh, another just you know it's just like Spike Field Hazard. It's a little bit overcosted, but the versatility makes it worth the slot. Uh, I'm playing two Hagra Mauling, basically same exact thing. Destroy target creature for four, or it's a land. Uh, then I'm playing some enchantments. Uh, playing four of Timurit Calls the Dead. That card, I would say, is top three important cards in the deck because you're playing Croxa. It being able to mill six is very, very powerful. A lot of times you mill a Croxa and make a... Um, make a zombie. Sometimes you just mill three to fuel your Croxa. Um, and then the last non-land card is one of Elspeth's Nightmare. That is another flex slot. Uh, I love it because it's good against aggro and it's decent against control. And then it also exiles your, your opponent's graveyard. It's great in the mirror if you can hit a Chandler, a Magmatic Chandler, Take one of their spells and then exile their Crocs out of their graveyard. Like it did, it does everything in the mirror. Uh, my sideboard, just gonna go down it real quick. Two Duress, three Soul Guide Lantern, uh, one Mazebind Tome, three Scorching Dragonfire, one Elspeth's Nightmare, three Extinction Event, and two Ox of Agonis. Uh, that is a copy paste sideboard. So I'm not going to even pretend to try to analyze it. I think you, the listener, would. would be perfectly fine to to be able to look that over and in and, and play when you play this deck you can make make your changes uh so f- for our lands we're playing two castle Loctwain. that card is it's good but we utilize our mana a lot in this deck so it's not completely necessary necessary i think i've activated it twice in my climb from bronze to gold uh for fabled passage just amazing card Four Mountain, Seven Swamp, Four Temple of Malice. I am playing more untapped basics, and I am playing one extra land because I am playing Magmatic Chandler. Uh, I 
the one of the biggest things I noticed was that this deck played a lot of tap lands early on. And so it was kind of messing up my sequencing, especially when you have Spike Field Hazard, Shadow Skull Smashing, and Hagra Mauling. Uh, I cut down on some of the tapped non-basic lands for some, uh, a couple more, uh, like a mountain and a swamp or something. And I think the I think the land count's been pretty good for me uh, overall. Um, so when this when you play this deck on ladder, uh, it's always very important to be mindful of what lands you're playing in what order. There is uh, double black and double red, and there are turns where you're going to need to Croxa plus play a red spell or Croxa plus play a black spell. And a lot of times, if you didn't sequence in the first two, few turns, uh, it will it will bite you in the in the rear. Uh, so that's the overview of the deck. And now I'm going to actually go through the metagame. So let's bring up the standard metagame on MTG Goldfish. So right now, uh, Demir Control is at a 16.8% of the meta. Rakdos Midrange is at 9.5. Golgari Adventures, 8.8. .8. Azorius Blink, 7.9. Mono Red Aggro, 7.5. And then you have <coughs> Gruul Adventures, Mono Green Aggro, Mono Green Food. Esper Doomfort told, and then Red Green Ramp, Demir Rogues, and Mono White Aggro. So when you look at a metagame like this and you see 16, 9, 8, 7, 7, 6, 5, 5, like the metagame is very diverse and, and pretty nice right now. So off the top, Demir Control matchup isn't the greatest for you. Um, in a best for three, it's a lot better. If you're looking to play a best of one, you have a lot of removal spells that uh, kind of get blanked uh, in game one. But the nice thing is that most Demir quote-unquote control decks are playing a uh, rogue package. So you're, they're playing Thieves Guild Enforcer, uh, Soaring Thought Thief, Ruin Crab, and Merfolk Windrobber. So all of your removal spells are still turned on. A lot of times, though, they're... Uh, game plan, the way they kill is eventually those things, but their game plan revolves more around killing your creatures and um, drawing tons of cards with cards like Into the Story. <coughs> Excuse me. And so, yeah. I would say, in my experience playing best of one and best of three, it's been about a 50-50 matchup. I would say best of one, Demir Control, is is a little bit more favored. Um, the nice thing is that they're milling you, and so you have Croxa to be able to wrap up the game. So if they draw a couple extra too many lands or they mulligan once or something, uh, the, the matchup goes from them being slightly favored to you probably being heavily favored. Um, Golgari Adventures? I, I think Golgari Adventures is... Uh, it will show that it will be one of the better decks in the format for the longest period of time because of its just versatility still. And it also plays cards like Scavenging Ooze, which are just great right now. I, I do think that they'd probably go up to more Scavenging Ooze as time goes on because it's pretty good in a lot of matchups and a lot of graveyards are very, very full right now. Uh, Azorius Blink is the next matchup. I feel like... I have not played this matchup very much, but I think I've lost it both times I've played it. 
I would need to you know have more sample size to know uh, what what the matchup percentages are but I don't feel like you're heavily favored in that matchup they just have a lot of big heavy hitters uh, mono red aggro is a matchup I feel like we're pretty favored um, especially the build that I'm playing right now I play against mono red aggro probably every third game and if you're if your removal lines up it's pretty much game over because you can you can do that play like a one three and generate enough card advantage to just take it over the top uh gruel adventures and mono green aggro are, are similar so so is golgari adventures all, all three of those decks are, are pretty similar mono green aggro tries to go a lot lower to the ground and tries to just beat you down with love struck beasts gruel adventures can grind uh, and golgari adventures can grind too um, but all three of those decks, I, I, I feel like Rakdos Midrange just has a 50% matchup in, in most of these, um, in most of these matches right now. And it is a really fun deck to get to learn the format with and the sequencing, you get very, very rewarded, uh, when you like the funny thing, uh, when I started playing this deck, I lost like the first five games, I think in bronze. And I was like, maybe I'm just, maybe I just don't know how to play anymore. I haven't played for, you know, five or six months. And, uh, and then I started realizing that I was just sequencing so poorly based on, because I did not have the knowledge of what my opponent could play the next turn because I hadn't even really looked at, at most of the other decks and what their curves were and stuff. So a lot of, a lot of playing the, the Rakdos midrange deck is anticipating what your opponent is doing the following turn and on your own instep. So, uh, you know, do you need to leave your uh, Bone Crusher Giant open, or can you can you afford to play the Tapped Land, for instance? Uh, they're going to be flashing in a one three, so your Bone Crusher Giant can't kill it anyway. So you're going to play the Tapped Land, just things like that. Um, other than that, I think we did a pretty good overview about the Black Green Midrange deck. I I will say that. This deck is by far the most fun I've had in Standard in probably years. I know it's only been four days of playing this deck or something, but a lot of my previous forays into Standard, I just played it because I wanted to compete. And this deck is making me want to come home and play Magic again, which I haven't felt that want to do in a very long time and you know if, if you listen to this and and it kind of got you excited about standard i hope that you'll re-download magic arena and give it another try and uh and you know maybe even add me uh you can email me at mitch at inkedgaming.com and we can hook up on magic arena and maybe maybe chat a little bit so if you liked this deck review and kind of overview on the uh, Magic Arena metagame right now, even though it's, you know, I'm obviously going from bronze to gold. Uh, in, in this one, I'll probably be providing an update uh, after playing this deck a, a little bit more. Um, but if you like this, uh, feel, feel free to subscribe, and uh, we'll catch you all next time on High Tide with Kai. Thank you for listening to High Tide with Kai. 
an Inked Gaming and Kraken Cards podcast. Be sure to head to inkedgaming.com for all your gaming accessory needs. Inkedgaming.com. Thank you.